Welcome, you're listening to the Agile Unemployment Podcast, where in each episode, we take an in-depth look at being out of work. We'll talk about the programs and benefits available to you. We'll talk about the job hunting process itself. And most importantly, we're going to address the psychological and emotional impact that being out of work has on the individual. I'm your host, Sabina Sulat. I'm an HR expert and author. A few years ago, I lost my dream job and found myself unemployed for the first time in my life. I was frustrated by the lack of resources and information available to people out of work. But more than that, I was just stunned by the fact that we don't talk about unemployment. I took my experience and I turned it into a book and I now coach people to build resilience while they're out of work. If you are out of work, if you recently lost your job, or maybe you've been unemployed for a while, or maybe you're just afraid that you might lose your current job, this is the place to be. We're a safe place where we can talk about all aspects of being out of work. We can answer your questions and we can help you build resilience so that when you go back to work, you are stronger and more confident than ever. So let's get started. Hey everybody, it's Sabina. Thank you so much for listening. Before we get into today's podcast, I want to give a couple of overviews. I want to drop a little bit of knowledge. So first of all, thank you for listening. I'm so happy that really in the past month, the podcast is more or less taking off. We're increasing with listenership in the past week. We're up 24%. Thank you so much. Please keep listening. I have a lot of topics to cover. I'm hoping for some great things over the next few months to support all of you who are out of work or passively looking, actively looking, thinking of changing a career. So subscribe, share, anything you can do to keep this going. This is really important information. I want to talk about the current employment, unemployment landscape, because there's a lot going on. A few things to note. Right now, unemployment is at a steady about 3.5% in the U.S. That doesn't sound like a lot, but that's over 6 million people. And that rate has been steady over the past year. Here's the thing. (laughs) It's not that it's the same 6 million people out of work. If you are one of those, I'm sure it feels like it. But this is a steady flux. So this is where we are right now. It's our normal. There are a bunch of groups that are hit hard by this. And this is why I have this theory. So you read a lot about the tech layoffs, the big layoffs with Disney and Apple and Meta and organizations like that. This is where I think our numbers for how we report unemployment are inaccurate. We did a really good podcast about this last year. Go ahead and pick that up if you want. But most of the people who've been impacted lately, those tech jobs, those high corridor jobs, white collar jobs, don't bother to file for unemployment. That statistic of who's receiving unemployment insurance does not accurately reflect who's out of work. I think that's important to keep in mind for two things. First of all, if you are unfortunately impacted by losing your job, you should file for unemployment. I say this all the time. It's not just the money. That's very nice. Don't get me wrong. But there are all these other benefits such as education, resources, 
that states give to their residents who are unemployed. I come from a background where I don't turn down free stuff. Neither should you. You get support groups. You get someone to look at your resume. This is all free for you. So take advantage of it if you're impacted. It's not just the money. But if you're entitled to money, you will find out. And if you're entitled to money, take it. No pride here. You're entitled to it. You getting unemployment pay does not take away from anyone else receiving it. So keep all of that in mind. A few other things that I want to mention. Next week, my alma mater is having their graduation. You're going to see a lot of graduates, both high school and college, come into the workplace. They won't be reflected in numbers because they wouldn't have lost a job, but they will be looking for a job. I read a statistic that saddened me to no end today that four out of five graduating students do not have jobs. And of those who do have jobs, 38% are underemployed. That's a whole other area that we will continue to address. One more thing I want to say is the theme of this week. It is about the first full week of May. And what I want to talk about this week, I'm, I always say I'm excited. I'm really honored to offer this. Ever since I launched the podcast, the book, I've received a lot of questions from people who are working in the U.S. on visas. They're recent immigrants. They're out of work, underemployed, looking for employment. But this is a sector of the population who wants to be here and wants jobs, and I want to help. I've received constant comments and questions about green cards, visas. How do I get past things like cultural differences, language differences? I am not an expert in these things. It's taken me significant time to track down a couple of experts. That's why this week I'm going to drop two podcasts. Later in the week, we'll drop one where I speak with a well-versed immigration attorney who will go through the legal issues that people face coming to this country on visas, green cards, facing unemployment. But today, I'm really honored to bring on board for the podcast my friend Nadal. He runs an organization called Chin Up that specifically helps people new to the United States network, find jobs, career coaching, you name it for that sector of the population. He and his organization do it. Nadal and I talk about some really, to me, it was very helpful information, things I hadn't considered before. It's making me look at the future of work because these are situations that are always going to happen. They impact all of us and we should be as prepared as possible. And we also have to contribute to having that culture of inclusiveness and belonging. So I invite you to sit back listen in. I'm sure you're going to learn something today. Here we go. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. And I know I say this every time. I am so excited for today's guest. This is definitely one of those cases of our patience and perseverance finally paying off. I'm excited to have on the podcast and bear with me as I try to say his last name correctly, Al Kaznadar. Did I get that right, Nadal? Yes, exactly. Okay, close, close, 
I need to work on it. Nadal and I have been trying to get together for, I would say, at least three months, if not more. And fate has just not been on our side. We decided today was the do or die day. Nadal has a fabulous and fascinating niche in coaching. He does tremendous work with helping people who are new to the United States in coaching them in their not just getting a job, but actually he gives this great structure for planning a career trajectory. It's more than a job. He hosts a podcast. He runs the organization Chin Up, and he's my new friend, Nadal. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Sabina. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for this great opportunity to talk on your podcast to your audience. This podcast that helps and benefits many professionals over the world. So thank you. As you mentioned, Sabina, if you want me to introduce myself. I would love to, for you to tell everyone a little more about your organization and the work that you do. Absolutely. As you mentioned, Sabina, I am a bilingual career coach and entrepreneur with a great mission. This is how I see it. Where the mission is to empower professionals from culturally diverse backgrounds to succeed in their careers. And I work mainly with highly skilled immigrants to help them dream big and set stretch goals take action and succeed in their careers. So this is mainly where I help my, my, my clients. My company is a coaching and consulting company, and I work with the team to help new immigrants, new arrivals, and immigrants who are in the U.S., who are working in the U.S. in order to find better opportunities and to thrive in their careers. And I love that. I love that you have gotten this niche in this sector of the population that I think a lot of people either ignore or take for granted. How did you fall into this? Because this was not necessarily your career path. You created this. So how did that happen? That's a great question, Sabina. Actually, this uh, there's a story behind that, if you would like to hear the story. We love stories on the podcast, <laughs> so please. All right, absolutely. When I came to the U.S., I came as an immigrant myself. And when I was doing my master's degree at the University of Cincinnati, I went through a very tough time, especially financially, where I was unable to fund my study and I had to support my family as well. So I tried my best to find and get scholarships from the university, but they rejected me many times. Until one day, I remember I received a call from the Office of Dean of Graduate Students, and they told me that I have an appointment with him. I went to his office, and I talked to him about my GPA, about the recommendations from my professors. And he was convinced and he said something, Nidal, uh, I'm going to give you half of the tuition for the, this year. And I was so excited. I thanked him and I said, do you have another, could be two, three minutes? He said, sure. And I told him about my plans, my written plans, 
my dreams here in this country and what the goals and I would love to to achieve with the written plans. And we talked maybe for more than 20 minutes. And then at the end of the meeting, he said, Nidal, you got it. Full tuition. And I was, yay! And then he said, and I'm going to introduce you to people that I knew in order to find a job. And he did. And after I graduated and moved to Washington, D.C., he would send me emails and texts saying, hey, Nidal, keep your chin up. Uh, make us proud. And from that time, I said, oh, I need to do something for people in my situation who have challenges in finding jobs, networking, getting opportunities. And that's why I named my company ChinUp for that reason. I love that. And I love that. I love anybody who takes something that's happened to them where they have were at a disadvantage or at a vulnerable time, someone helps them, and they pay it forward by either doing work in that area, by helping others who aren't as fortunate or walked in those shoes that we've been in. And I think that definitely is you and I professionally, is that we've taken those moments and we're trying to help other people. So it's a little easier for them than it may have been for us or people of our time. So very much appreciate what you do. You hit on something that I think is a really interesting point. I deal with people who are out of work or afraid of losing their job and It's definitely a hot topic these days. One of the reasons I started following you on LinkedIn is because of this unique sector of the population you deal with. And then it was followed by your just amazing positivity, which I think everybody needs. And it made me wonder, does somebody who's even more vulnerable, you take the whole feeling vulnerable at work and or losing your job. But then when you add that you're in a foreign country that you're trying to make home or you're in this new environment, there's a lot of loneliness on a lot of levels. What are the day-to-day challenges for somebody in that situation that you deal with? I think it would help if we were more aware of them and maybe knew how to ease that a little bit. That's a very important point, Sabina. Actually, let me talk from a practical and theoretical standpoint at the same time, because I'm a career coach, just the thing that I do, and I've been studying career coaching, career development for highly skilled immigrants at University of Cincinnati and another university, GW. And with that, I found that this population have... They face similar challenges that others face in finding jobs in the United States, such as resume building, um, LinkedIn profiles, Mm -hmm. connecting with people, building their network, and practicing interview skills, negotiating salaries, all of these things. However, for immigrants, for this population, they face extra challenges. And the most critical challenges that I see them facing on daily basis are first, 
Number one is language, because mm-hmm. language is a big challenge for them. It's a big issue, especially if they are unable to express their ideas, express their opinions mm. du- during a big meeting, or they are afraid of making mistakes in front of their managers. That would affect their growth and their companies. The second, or even finding a job, because... Yeah. They are not themselves when they use English in their interview in order to express their thoughts and experience and education to the HR representative or the hiring manager. Number two would be culture, life culture or work culture, especially during (laughs) for the job seekers during the interview time, because you can tell if they don't have eye contact if they don't if they don't sometimes shake hands if they sit without talking a lot answering yes or no this is a very this is a big challenge for them in order again to be included in the interview setup or when they work in the workplace with their colleagues another point is they don't have connections. So their network is rich and strong, but in their countries, not in the US. So that would be obstacles for them, an obstacle for them to find better opportunities. And the last thing is self-esteem. And this is very important because with low self-esteem, unfortunately, they would feel that they are, their education, their qualifications are l- lower than others. So they don't talk about them a lot. They don't express their thoughts. They don't try to improve their themselves, their careers, thinking that they are less than others in this country. And that would affect their career growth in the United States. There is so much to unpack in what you just said. And I've worked in HR, I've worked as a recruiter, and everything you said makes perfect sense. But now hearing you say it, there's this whole other level to it that I'm now ingesting. And I'm now doing this back play of anybody who I've met who might have been in that situation. And I'm now having this awful moment of, gosh, I hope I did everything possible to support this person and either help them through the interview process or acclimate to a team. And it's very uncomfortable. I'll be the first to admit this. I want to take a look at this a little bit to see, are there things we should be aware of? Is there a way to support individuals like this? Are there resources, what you might recommend? So I think one thing that really sticks out to me is the network thing you brought up that I know you deal with a highly skilled group. So they probably have a very robust network back in their home country or where they went to school. Networking is becoming more and more important on the job front because organizations have incentives where if you bring in somebody you know for a job, you get a stipend because I feel like, oh, if they're a friend of Nadal's, they've got to be great because he's a great employee. and. If you are new to this country or you're looking for, let's just say you might have family or so forth, but you don't know anybody in your field, this becomes an issue. 
How do you coach somebody through that in the groups that you handle? Is there specific advice you give them that you could pass on? That's a very good point. Actually, first of all, I try my best to work on their communication skills because before I ask them to go ahead and reach out to people and communicate with people, we have some sessions on how to improve their communication skills. And after that, I have simple process in order to help them expand their um, network. And it is an easy process for them. So what I ask them to do is I ask them to go ahead and list down people they know in their area, neighbors, maybe relatives, maybe friends, teachers, I don't know. List people, name of people that you know in your area. Then after that, I ask them to reach out to these people and ask each one of them, tell them that they are looking for jobs and they, if they can introduce them to another person or even two, three people. Some of them would say, I, I have no connections. I, I don't know. And some, many of them would say, yeah, why not? It goes from there. By the end of maybe one, two, three months that they started with 10 people on their list. And by the end of three months, they have sometimes 50, sometimes more. And they know them. They communicated with them, messages, emails, Zooms, sometimes meet them at the coffee shops. So this is from my experience, and it works well with them. This is a good way to do that. Rather than telling them, go and talk to people you don't know and try to communicate with them and ask them if they can give you 20 minutes for for informational interview. Yes, it is a good way, but most of the immigrants would shy away from this way. So I I, I make it easy for them to step by step expand their network. And I love that because it hits on two other points you made that I wanted to talk about the cultural component, but let's go to the one thing that I deal with every level of employee in unemployment. Every one of them tells me, not right away, but eventually they tell me their self-esteem takes a big hit and they don't want to admit it when you are out of work, when you are looking for a job because you feel like you're going, we would say like hat in hand, like you have to prove your worth. And that never feels good to people, especially if you've invested in your education and your career, you feel like that should stand on its own. So that self-esteem issue, but I'll ask you this. So if I go to this network that people I know or someone who knows someone I'm comfortable with, does that help the self-esteem issue at all? Do you think? I would look at it in two ways. One of them, yes, it would, if they are really confident about their approach and the growth that they're going to get after that. And on the other hand, it might be on the opposite side. So they would feel more shy and they would shy away. And especially if they have some, I would say, negative experience with people who turn them down or they would say, I knew it. That's why I want to connect with them. So maybe we need, that's a very good idea. 
And in addition to that, maybe we need to prepare them mentally, telling them even if some if people are not giving you the attention you expect from them, that's okay. It happens not only for immigrants, for everyone. So that maybe would be a good practice before we send them there to improve their communication and networking skills. No, I agree with that. I think that the it's something even Americans struggle with. I can tell you where you have to tell someone like this is not necess- this is not a reflection of you. This is a reflection of the organization of the person you've approached. Exactly. And for every person who is not in your corner, there are many more who are. You just have to find them. But again, that's very hard if you're new to the country, you don't know a lot of people. The idea of the language barrier is something I've dealt with personally and professionally. And that's a very difficult one. I will be honest that English is not an easy language to learn. It's, I think it's Latin and English are the two hardest languages to learn. And then I've worked for some British companies where they say, no, Latin and American English are very hard to learn <laughs> um, because we like a lot of slang. We like a lot of shortcuts and acronyms and everything else. I imagine it's overwhelming to somebody who's learned it. How can somebody, besides finding someone like you, how Mm. can someone who is trying to improve that skill as they go to the job market, what can they do? What do you recommend? I I recommend to really invest in in themselves, really take time to improve their skills. That's maybe the only way they can do it. If you want to learn how to swim, you need to jump into the swimming pool and every day going to the swimming pool. If you want to learn how to ride a bicycle, it's going to be the same way. So if you want to learn how to speak, you need to practice. You need to jump to a conversation and make mistakes. That's okay. If you want to know the culture, to talk to people about culture, that reminds me with another thing which is related to culture, many clients would come back to me and say, yes, we try to boost our self-esteem. We are trying to speak the language. It's okay. But the problem is when it comes to the topic that we talk to people about it, they talk about football. We don't know anything about it. (laughs) We call it soccer in our country, not football. When talk about when they talk about some movies, some events, some local activities, we have no clue. So we don't share any things and we feel that we are useless. So we leave the conversation. And that's another challenge. Okay, so let's can we address this from two angles? So the first one being for someone who is new to a workplace culture, the U.S. culture, anything like that, it's probably very intimidating to have to come in and be the outsider. It's daunting. Is there something that another worker could do if you see that situation that you might suggest? Let's just say I'm I work nine to five, I work in a job and I've noticed someone is new and this is, they're probably not, they probably weren't born in this country. They have come over here. Maybe they're on a work visa, maybe a project. 
but clearly this is not their home country and I want them to feel more comfortable, what can I do? This is very a difficult question. So, I know, I'm not making it easy for you. I think a lot of people are thinking that. And the first thing I know I think of is the last thing I want to do is offend somebody or go where I'm not wanted. But it's also painful to see somebody isolated, but I don't want to push. And I know I'm going to do the wrong thing no matter what. And I don't mean to make you the arbitrator <laughs> of all of this, but what do you I have an about? idea. Okay. Right. And I tried to implement this idea when I worked with some organizations, especially during events or happy hours. So I suggested that let's add some activities that other people are familiar with. And we talk about it. Let's say instead of, in addition to football, we can talk about soccer. Okay. And in addition to talk about uh, special food in the U.S., we can educate ourselves about different type of food and talk to them about. They would love it if you meet, let's say, someone from India and you know a little bit about their food and you share experience or the knowledge, they would love it. They would talk for two hours about it. <laughs> Or if you talk about cricket or soccer, other people from the Middle East, they love soccer. They will tell you the name of the players and families and how much they make. They love it. So I suggested to, to add intentionally, to add some topics that others, other people with different cultures would be interested to talk about. And then when we talk, we say, okay, let's talk about this now. Keep in mind that if someone comes from different culture, you might raise this topic. That would be interesting for them. So that could be one, one way to do it. I like this because I do feel like our workplace culture is changing. It used to be, and I heard this, so I can't imagine what other people might have felt, but I always heard this, you have to fit into the organization's culture. And I think now we're getting to this hopefully this mindset of we have to make sure everybody feels like they belong, that they're included, that this is a safe place for them. We struggle with it because it's a very new concept for us. But I agree that kind of outreach of I want to know you as a person is even more important now than ever. And that open-mindedness of I'm not going to find anything that you talk about to be strange or wrong. Yeah. It's just who you are and all the things that make up you. I like this. And I want to shift the conversation a little bit because this does go into something that is very important today where we talk about in the workplace all the time of having these cultures of inclusion and belonging and diversity. And there's going to be a new word added into the vocabulary every month. And this is good. This means that we are changing, hopefully, for the better. I imagine that sort of thing is very daunting if you are coming into any strange environment. Is there anything that you suggest to maybe your clients about how to handle and navigate that path? And also, does anything that you have to suggest cross over to the rest of us? Yeah, absolutely. 
for for clients, I would suggest and advise them to take it slowly but surely, step by step. It's going to be a lot on them if they want to know everything from day one. I always advise them, and I have a course called the first 90 days. So I try to train them and teach them how to understand the culture, how to talk to people, how to do their job. Sometimes even doing the job is different from culture to culture, how to submit your job, how to talk to your manager, to your colleagues, how to raise your point. All of these things are very important for clients. And I try my best to walk them through step-by-step when they join the new workplace. For companies, organizations, HR, decision makers, I would say, and that is very important when I was in HR. I'm still an HR person, but I'm not practicing HR, but HR is in me. What I found very important and very helpful is to have a strong and solid onboarding process. Because that is the first thing, the first impression for a new employee. So if you have a solid, not any anything, just, okay, make it on onboarding materials and that's it. No, you need to invest. We need to invest time and sometimes money in order to build this onboarding process. So we can take these new candidates with different culture through the process again, step by step. Tell them about the culture. Tell them about the work itself. Tell them about the events. Tell them about what are different than they have in their countries. It doesn't mean it needs to be a different onboarding process for immigrants. No, but you need to include some of these. And sometimes I support that as well. If you feel that your immigrant employees need maybe a couple of hours training about the culture in the U.S. and about the work culture, why not? You are investing in your employees and they're going to they're gonna help you grow your business in the future. So I would say boarding is very important. Number two is to include them in, as we said, Sabina, to include them in the activities. So if you can add some topics to the activities that you conduct and these topics related to their um, culture, that would be very good. They would feel uh, that they are included in this work culture. Another thing is, and I keep hearing that from people, I don't want to go into religions, but some people coming from different countries, they don't feel comfortable joining happy hours where there is alcohol. So maybe we have one of the happy hours that we have all kind of drinks but without alcohol so people feel more comfortable to come and join and talk that would be another thing good language training might be a good thing as well although there are very good nonprofit organizations who are taking care of this point very well so these are the things that i can think of now i like this because it forces organizations their learning teams, their HR teams to be very mindful. And maybe it's time to shelve what we've been doing for onboarding or for bringing inclusion and belonging to an organization. We have to come up with something new 
that keeps pace with the new cultures that we're evolving in the workplace. So I like that. I didn't, I was thinking with the happy hour, someone just doesn't have to order alcohol, but that in itself is very isolating. And you stand out because you're the only one who isn't drinking. And I, it just dawned on me that, wow, I never realized how isolating that could be. And that's the exact opposite of what that event is supposed to bring about. Really very interesting spin on all of this. I'm We're running low on time here and I want to be mindful and I want to hit on a topic that might not be as pleasant, but I think it's still important. We're seeing all of these layoffs all over the country. Recently, Meta just announced another 10,000 are coming. These are companies that seemed impervious. What if I am newer to the country and this is happening at my workplace? Do you have any suggestions for someone who is an immigrant or new to the country of how to handle something like that? I know it's not going to be legal advice that you have, but just maybe from hitting those notes of how to belong, how to be feel secure, how to help your self-esteem when you maybe feel precarious, when you feel work insecure, so to speak. There are, while you are asking this question, I was thinking of a few points. Some of them are not only for immigrants, for everyone. We like that. Others could be only for immigrants. So I always advise people and this statement, this advice, which is, alternatives, the concept of alternatives is power. So Mm. what does that mean? It means if you want to really have control on your career, your future, your income, try to have alternatives. Keep your options open. If you are working now and you are good in your position and your company is good, it doesn't mean you don't find or try to look for a better opportunities. Always keep your options open. Always have alternatives. So if something happens, so you have people, you've talked to them before. So if you are terminated, so you can talk to them, tell them, oh, remember when we talked about this opportunity? Mm-hmm. Is it still there? Maybe you work a little bit as a freelance with one of the companies and then if something happens in your company, then you they know they, your work. They know you already. So it's easier for you to move from where you are to their company. So that is very important. And I always, when I have coaching sessions with people who are working, but a little bit worried and concerned about their growth in their company, I would go with that. Another tip is make sure that if you are working now in a company that you like and make sure that you gain the most updated and needed skills in your field in this company. Many people would prefer to stay in their comfort zone, doing the same thing, gaining no skills, thinking that they are the best who's doing the job. No, you need as an immigrant to work on your skills in your field. Another point is to work on your skills in different fields, only your field, and gain transferable skills, 
like computer, what are communication skills, sometimes marketing skills. Even if you are in HR, it would help you if you have some sales or marketing skills, interpersonal skills. All of these skills would help a lot in finding another opportunities in a very short time. And the last one I would say is, and I always say it this way, network. <laughs> It starts with small group and then you expand. So always network because as 70 to 80% from the jobs filled in the U.S. are through networking. Imagine 70 to 80. So work network. Thank you. No one ever believes me when I give that stat. <laughs> uh, so I appreciate that. And you're so right. It doesn't, the career doesn't end when you get the job. In fact, in some ways, that's the beginning. You all those things you did to get the job, you have to do not just to keep it, but also to go your next step. Otherwise, you're going to be in that same job forever. And most people want growth and development. So very solid, solid tips here. I want to end on a really high note here. So you do such amazing work. I've definitely stalked you on LinkedIn before reaching out to you. And I listened to your podcast. You work with a very diverse group. It sounds like you have a very small niche, but it's quite the opposite. So can you share with us, what's one of your most successful programs? What's worked really well for you? What do you hang your hat on? Yeah, that's a very good question. Actually, there is a new program that we started almost two years ago, and I was surprised to, to see that many people, immigrants, are very excited to join us. The program is, and sometimes, or most of the time, especially for new immigrants, the financial aspect would be an issue for them to pay upfront to get consulting. And if they don't do that, then they don't give the opportunity to be coached and to be trained in a proper way. With the team, we came up with an idea that the job seeker, they don't seekers, they don't pay anything upfront. And we work with them. A career coach will be assigned to them, and the career coach will be working with them until they find a job. And then we share our percentage. So if they don't find a job, we don't take anything from them. So it is a win-win situation. And we love it. Our career coaches love it. The job seekers love it because they trust you. They know that you're going to win when they win. So that is a very successful program. And I feel that we help immigrants and we benefit immigrants who are unable to pay now to secure their dream jobs, although they don't have enough money to do that. I love that because... A lot of people might walk away from that and say, if you can't pay me, I'm sorry, we can't do business. And instead, you haven't changed the goal. You've just changed the strategy to reach it. And that's an amazing burst of positivity that I think we need these days. I want to thank you, Nadal, for joining me on the podcast. This has been very eye-opening and a pleasure. And I really hope, I know you'll come back because I think we've only scratched the surface here. Yeah, absolutely. I would like to thank you as well, Sabina, for this great podcast. And thanks for having me. And I wish you all the best. Thank you. And I can say this was definitely worth the wait. <laughs> thank you. okay. Thanks for your patience. <laughs> and there you have it for today. 
I hope you learned something or heard something today that is helping you as you are in your out-of-work journey and that will help you normalize the conversation about being out of work. If you heard something that resonated with you, please show us support, subscribe, or comment on something. If you'd like to learn more information, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Sabina Sulat. I'm the only one. You can also reach out to me on my website, reworkingworks.com. You can also email me at sulat at reworking.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to know about private coaching, more about the book, more about the podcast, I wish you luck in your getting back to work journey. I hope that you've learned something here that if it hasn't made that journey a little shorter, it's at least made it a little easier. Until next time, thanks for joining.